Republic of Arsenal, we are back live yet again on Arsenal against Benfica. It's the upcoming game this week. Uh, thankfully, we've got that Man City fixture out of the way. We can push it to the back of our minds. So we probably will talk about it because, uh, yeah, you know, it, I think there's a few talking points. There's a, there's a few things I think we need to discuss. Uh, but yeah, look, we, uh, we look ahead to the second leg. Uh, it's Arsenal 1, Benfica 1 coming into the game. Arsenal with a minimal, minimal advantage with the away goal. Neutral venue yet again. Unfortunately, we're not coming back to the Emirates Stadium. We're going to play in a stadium that Arsenal fans know quite well, and that's going to be the home of Olympiacos in Athens. couple of good memories, couple of bad memories. Let, let's hope it's a good one this time. But look, today we've got, we've got Suls again on the panel. So Suls, as always, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, look, it's always great to have you. And uh, I've got Joe back. Joe, Benfica fan, was here for the, the first leg preview. And, you know, I got I got amazing feedback from Joe. I already was going to have you back anyway, but hearing the feedback, I was like, no, 100%. You're coming back whether you like it or not. So thanks for coming back again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun last time, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm kind of happy that the the first leg went the way it did, so this can be a little bit more civil. <laughs> <laughs> Look, just before we get started, I will point out. I think it was me that made the the one hour prediction. I think. Yeah, well, you're, you're, not, you're not on the good. You're not on the good terms there, then, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so going by that, it's me who has the power. I predicted one all, so I'm going to give Arsenal a win this time, <laughs> and you can you can thank me later when we go through. <laughs> <laughs> but look, before we uh, before we touch on uh, the the upcoming game and before we get into what we saw in the first leg, Suls, I think it's important that we do you know talk about the bit of form and, and Joe. I am going to get your opinion as well. Uh, Benfica had a had a fixture the other day, so it's definitely important to hear your side of of how Benfica got on. But what I'll do is uh, I'll start off with with that Man City game and and Suls, Look, I think that game. It was a bit of a catch-22. Um, I think it's fair to say that going into that fixture, you know, City were, what, 24 games unbeaten in all competitions, 17 games unbeaten in the Premier League. Our form up and down at best, to say the least, and then coming off of the Benfica performance, I don't think expectations were too high that we were going to get anything from that game. I, I think the majority, if, if they had been offered a 1-0 for Man City, I think a lot of people would have taken it. You know, given the context of how the game actually played out, you know, was it was it a bad performance for Arsenal? You know, what, what went wrong there? Well, well, the, 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 the way I summed it up was on a title of my video, an expected result, disappointing performance. And that's basically how you sum the game up because it's all good and well losing to one of the best sides in the Premier League, but it's the manner we lost. Um, they stepped off the gas. Yeah. Hi, Gary. And uh, we stepped up the gas simply, and um, that's that's the disappointing thing. We had chance where we could have done more because this was the game where the defenders said to the attackers, "You know what? You've been bailing us out all this season. Now it's our turn to step up." And that's and and when you think about Ruben Diaz getting man of the match, that just goes to show how poor we were. That um, mm -hmm. they were managed. They just said, "Ah, oh, we've got our goal. Forget it now. They ain't gonna score." That's the arrogance they showed to an Arsenal football club. Imagine Benfica playing. 
and 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 some and and like a team, you know, come, that's that's an up and comer that I've only just found recent success comes and scores a goal and says, "Yeah, we scored." I go, "You ain't gonna do shit against us." It's it, that's the that's how it felt bad even being an Arsenal fan that day because yes, we, we weren't optimistic to win that game, but fight for the badge at least. Like the minimum that we fans ask for is fight. And we didn't get anything captain from a, from, you know, and, and everyone knows I'm a massive, massive backer of Abami and even Joe know from the one video. And he disappointed me as well. There was no fight. There was nothing, no one like riling the players up. Even Kieran Taney disappointed me because he's the one man that I look to after like a maybe a party. The only man that I can actually sit here and say actually tried was Granny Shaka. And, and I know people are not going to agree with me, but he was showing bits of fight and passion. He, he surprisingly had a few good forward passes as well, trying to break the lines. And then obviously Bakio Saka again, the one man that we have to look to every single time. And it's becoming it's become it's coming to the point where it's beyond the manager. I don't care who you bring in. You can bring in, I've said it, Klopp, you can bring in Pep together as two managers, and you still wouldn't get anything more out of these players because the fact is they're not good enough. Because if they can't show passion. If they can't show fight when when you know you're going through a bit of bad form and you know that you know the fans are behind you and the fans want to like get behind it. I don't care if we finish tenth if we fought and we shown passion and we tried, but simply just not being good enough. But City didn't even try to beat us. It was a, again. I've always said this, Anthony. It's come down to individual errors again. It's it's not a It's not like City came there and ripped us a new one where we. I'd rather have lost six nil. That would have made me at least think, you know what, they've ripped us. We've got to put our hands up and say, you know what, fair play, you, you destroyed us. But the fact is, it was sloppy defending from Kieran Taney to begin with. Yes, he needs to be blamed for that because you don't let a cross in. You should at least try to stop the cross. And then you've got Bellerin or Holding, whoever you want to put the blame on. Because Bellerin was closer. He should have been at least being a little bit more aggressive. And Holding is always ball watching. So that, that's why I summed it up as a... An expected result because they are City and you have to respect them. They are arguably one of the best squads in the world. Forget about the Premier League. Um, even if they rotated, they're still better than most teams. Even Liverpool at this point, even if they put their sort of a few fringe players on, they'd still give Liverpool a hard time. So you do have to respect them in that sense. But I just wanted to see a bit more fight, especially given the fact that we've not been, even, even Benfica was disappointing. Then you've got Villa, which obviously we lost, and then Wolves we lost. I know some are circumstantial. There are things in them in them games where we, we can question why why they were losses. But give the fans something because a lot of these players are not in the graces of the fans. Like Granny Xhaka, especially Aubameyang this season is now starting to lose the trust of the fans. How long can you give him? It's 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 we're coming into March basically now, and 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 he's given us maybe one. Two performances where we can sit there and actually be like, yep, Saka's the only one who can really put his head held high. Kieran Taney needs to sort his injury problems out and then we can really get behind him. And the same with Partey. They've been brilliant all season, but the fact is they've just been injured. And that's all That's that's all I've got to say. And, and one thing I will say is, yes, we were going into this game expecting to lose, but that doesn't mean we don't, we don't turn up. Yeah, do you know what? You summed that up brilliantly well. You really, really did. Um, look, I, I think you said what what we've all been thinking about this team, and and as I said, with, with that performance, yeah, like you're caught in between a rock and a hard place because, yeah, on one hand, you're not expecting a result 
but you can live with the result as long as you see a bit of fight and a bit of passion out of the team. And as you said, look, you, you could lose 6-0 in a game like that and you put your hands up and say, you know what, you, you just outclassed us. You're, you're just on a different level. We're just not good enough. We tried. We gave our best. Our best just wasn't good enough. And you'd say, look, that's just the reality of the situation. I think the 1-0 was almost a patronising result in a sense because on paper... It, it certainly flattered us. Um, and, and you'd look at it and go, well, look, you know, you're not expected to win the game. You only lost by the one goal. It's a narrow margin. But what I mean by it almost patronizes was you could tell City were in first gear for the whole game. And you could tell City knew that they didn't need to go into second or third gear. City, I, I, I think Arsenal showed far too much respect and too much caution to City, which, which is understandable. But if you see City take the foot off the gas, you know th there was opportunities there. Had we been a bit more brave, we, we could have got something out of the game. Now, again, we could have fought and we could have got ourselves back on level terms and City probably would have stepped it up a gear or two and inevitably probably would have, you know, the class would have shown they probably would have gone on to, to win the game had they needed to step up. It's just the simple fact that we didn't give them a reason to have to step up, you know, that that was that was almost a training session for Man City at times. Yeah, so I, the, the one thing I, I didn't notice until um, I was doing my video was Aubameyang surprisingly only had two touches in the box in the entire game, one in the first half and one in the second half. That's our striker and he's not in the box. Now, he, he, there's multiple reasons behind it. You can say his service wasn't there, but then I checked the heat map. I was like, all right, let's look at the heat map because that'll give you a better indication. His positioning is just awful. He's actually, he, you're playing as a striker now. You're not on the wing. Stop going to the wing. Yeah. And, and be that focal point. That against the Leeds, the only reason we batter Leeds was because we had that focal point that we could attack on. But the fact is, on this game, I don't know. I, this is why I'm starting to question the team now because you can blame the manager for how long because under Wenger, they failed him. Under Emery, they failed him. And now under Arteta, the same players, actually some of the players we trusted are now failing him. So you now yeah. have to look at that team and you have to look at the board because it's all good and well, but how many managers is it going to take to solve us? Mm -hmm. It's not about getting a world-class manager in because if the players don't have the ability to play the game, no mm -hmm. manager's going to get anything better out of them. Pep came out after the game and said, give Arteta time, but watch these players. That's... Mm -hmm. Pep Guardiola, yes, he could be sarcastic. Yes, he could be like, yeah, they're doing shit. Let me just like, you know. But mm -hmm. the reality is he's actually given us genuine advice that people who have opened up their eyes are now seeing that, yes, you've got to look at the players now and see what's going wrong there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the guys in the chat. I, I see um, Gary is there. So thanks for, for joining, Gary. And Ashton, I will get around to that question now in, in a couple of minutes. Ashton, you just bear with me. Um yeah, but just to follow up on that, Souls, yeah, look, I, I've been kind of echoing that sentiment for a long time now. Um, you know, people, look, I'm not going to lie, it got to a point with Arsene Wenger where, yeah, I was saying it's gone a bit stale. Um, I would like a change. You know, I would. I just, okay, I, I have a whole new appreciation now. I'm fully willing to admit I, I have a whole new appreciation for Arsene Wenger now because, you know, that whole saying, you know, sometimes you don't miss something until it's gone. Now we don't have our top four, which we all took for granted. So I, I completely put my hands up and say, at the time, it got a bit stale for me. You know, this just just barely getting top four. Look, 
that's great but there does come a point where you know you need to to go more you know you need more than that okay now we got to a stage we got rid of Arsene Wenger we brought in Unai Emery we've seen it's it's come down again another level we got rid of Unai Emery now we've got Arteta it's it's starting to come down another level again there are still a core group of players in this squad that have existed from the Arsene Wenger days and, and I have said it you know, it, it kind of more so came to light, I think, when, when you've seen the same players failing, Unai Emery, and now the same players are now failing, Arteta. And look, I, I'm not an Arteta in, I'm not Arteta out, but I, I do share the same belief as you that no matter who you put in that job currently with this squad, they're going to run into the same problems. And, and I think Unai Emery took the job and he had the whole, you know, when a new man comes in, everyone's on a bit of a high, things change, you know, the atmosphere around the club, everything changes and everybody gets on board. We've seen that last for a period, I think it was 22 games, we went unbeaten under Emery and then eventually the, the cracks, you know, kind of opened up and we've seen what happened. Now, the same thing happened with Arteta, new man, new ideas, new methods, everybody got on board, everybody believed in him. He took us to an FA Cup final. We we won the cup. Now look this season, the same players who eventually let Arsene Wenger down, eventually let Unai Emery down, they are now letting Arteta down. So yes, the, the coach, the manager has a huge part to play. He's the guy who motivates them, trains them, whatever. But as they say, look, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. If you've got the same players in the squad, you're only going to get so much out of them, I think, until they start showing their true colours. Eventually, these players have to be replaced. And I can see what Arteta is trying to do. He has removed a lot of the players we consider dead wood. But people have to understand, just because that group of players is gone doesn't mean that there isn't still a group that remains that needs to no, go. No, but the thing is, yes, we've got rid of that core group, but have we replaced them with anything significant? Like We've got rid of a number 10. Have we bought in a number 10? We can't exactly. be relying on Smith Rowe. Yes, he's brilliant and, and, and credit to him, but he's still young. Um, then we've got Saka who's come in, and then we've got Holding who's supposed to become and do the Socrates job. And yeah, um, yeah thank you for that. And um, yeah, and you know, we, we're not replacing the players, and that's that's part of the problem as well. We need to now look forward to getting the players in, which is yeah. what I was hoping we'd do in the summer. But with the news that's come out, obviously, I don't want to get too much into everything because we'll be here all day otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just got to look forward as a club. We need to obviously, Benefica is going to be a big one. Um, and that's 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 all I've got to say. I think we need to understand that the Wenger and Emery overachieved with with what they had, and Arteta's yeah. come in and shown us the true true quality of this club. We are a top ten squad. Let's let's not put it any other way. And yeah. um, you know, it's it's when when managers overachieve, we think that that's that's how where we should be. We should be top four. Emery did it. Yeah. Wenger did it. But guess what? Arteta, when people say about the new manager bounce, he never really got it because he came in and then the whole COVID situation started developing and we didn't know whether we were playing games or whether we weren't and then we're going into games a bit bit last minute as in um, the, the the Premier League were like, all right, let's go for it. Even when they cancelled, well, when they stopped the league because obviously eventually they continued it. Um, yeah. But when they put a stop to the league, it, was, it wasn't up until the night before we played City that they actually cancelled the league. Yeah. Or, but, and then we found out that we're just postponing it. So preparations are difficult when you don't actually know what's going to happen. 
and then not knowing whether you are going to play the team you're scheduled to play or whether that's going to be rescheduled and you're going to play a different team. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, just uh, just looking at a, a comment there from Gary. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's having a go at me over yesterday. I was on a panel and I was bigging up Granite Xhaka as a, a potential captain. No, I did say, I did say Kieran Tierney is my choice. I just said I... I would have granted Jack. I agree. I'm not going to lie. I agree with Jack. Yeah, but uh, look, that that's probably a conversation we have later. But I want to bring <laughs> I want to bring Joe into the into the conversation now. So Joe, look, we've uh, we've vented some of our frustrations with Arsenal's recent performance against Man City. Uh, Benfica had a pretty poor performance themselves. Now I'm going to try to pronounce this name. It was SC. Is it Forense? Ferenc, but yeah, Ferenc. Yeah, so a nil all draw. They were they were bottom of the table, and this point has now taken them up to fifteenth. But they're still joint seventeenth, you could say, out of eighteen teams. Wow. A nil all draw, and they had actually a goal disallowed through VAR for offside. So look, talk us through that. Um, were players rested? Was was this uh, a full strength Benfica side? Yeah. So I, I mean, a game like this. I know it's always tough with with resting the rotation that that squad C. Um, there was some rotation that I expected. So Julian Weigel, which for me, I know we'll get into it a little later on, but he was probably Benfica's best player in the the Arsenal match, um, and he's you know pivotal to to how the team plays. He um, he was suspended uh, due to a fifth yellow, so he wasn't able to play. But we expected that. Um, Verissimo also, our, our Brazilian center back, who made his debut against. You guys, he was uh, he was out as well, but that was expected. He came with uh, a lot of matches in his legs from uh, from Brazil when he came over to Benfica. So, yep. you know, things like that you expected to see, um, but really nothing kind of gave you that that thought in the back of your head that you know we might not win this one today. It, it should have been a win. Um, just the the fact that this team, France, their last clean sheet actually came one full calendar year ago. From Sunday, so it was 365 days since their last clean sheet. Mind you, last season they were in the second division, so that, that's not. Good. Um, and you know, in terms of recent form, um, this is our third straight draw. We have only three wins in our last ten matches, and one of those came against another second division side in the cup. Mm. Um, and we've just been—I don't know what's been happening to us. Um, and, and it's really the offense because the defense was uh, a major problem at the beginning of the season and we've seemed to have solved that um even before we brought in verissimo and starting three at the back is a little different but you know for the most part it seems like we figured it out there but yeah. offensively man it's it's terrible we spent all this money like i was i was telling you before 105 million euros um in the in the summer transfer window and you're not seeing it you know yeah it's it's frustrating yeah, look, it sounds very similar to the Arsenal situation where for a long time we weren't scoring, we weren't creating. Um, I, I remember early in the season, there was a stat where I think we were ranked something like 95th out of, you know, all the English clubs. Now, that was going down down the divisions. You know what I mean? There's, there's 20 sides in the Premier League. We were being ranked 95th from all the divisions in, in uh, English football, which was, which was crazy. But... Uh, yeah, look, um, just kind of, I guess, to touch on the whole manager situation as well. Like, I, I, I want to get your opinion on this one, Joe, because, um, you know, obviously a lot of people are saying this could be last chance saloon for Arteta and Souls. I'm going to get your your shout on that as well. 
But you know, for Benfica's manager JJ, is is this is this make or break now? Because Benfica, what fourth in the table, obviously Sporting are running away with the league, like Man City in our league. You know, if if they don't, you know, do well in the Europa League, do you think will, will they get a Champions League finish, or or is this going to be is this going to be it for them? So it's it's tough, uh, just because. You know, JJ and the president have a very close connection. That's the whole reason that he came to the club. And um, and there's been a lot of talk in the in the media the last several days, just because, of course, as you mentioned, we're now sitting uh, 15 points behind, or 16 points rather, behind Sporting, which is terrible, especially as they're your main rival in Lisbon. And we're sitting in fourth, which, as if the season ended today, we'd be ending up in the in the conference league. No Europa League, no Champions League, not even the qualifiers. So, and that would be disastrous. We would be forced to sell, I think, upwards of 150 million euros worth of players. So, pretty much all the stars you're seeing from the squad today yeah. would be forced. We'd be forced to sell them. So, um, it, it's frustrating to say the least. But the rumors are saying that JJ will stay until the end of the season, um, unless he wants to leave. And he feels that you know his promise of a a super team with the president. Um, had given him before the season started hasn't been kept on the flip side the president thinks that COVID is an excuse for missing the Champions League or you know dropping this this far on the table especially when you had a match like like Sunday's that had to be a win Mm -hmm. Uh, we you know but if he could still haven't won a match in 2021 away in the league and and that's just unacceptable Um, we're nearing the end of of February and, and you can't have that so what it's looking like is there's a lot of pressure to force out the president um, and there's actually a, uh, a television conference scheduled for Sunday from the president. So it, it, a lot will depend on, on what happens on Thursday, you know, a win. And unfortunately, you know, on the bright side, we'll still be in the Europa League, which I would love to see. I do want to win. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. He'll be able to kind of smooth over the last, you know, 18 months of terrible football that we've been witnessing yeah. with just, you know, Give it time. Things are happening. Look, we've had some rough patches, but we're going to turn it around. But so at the same time, I do feel a little betrayed because the last two managers have been uh, have been sacked when they were down, you know, seven and, and six points in the league. And right now, JJ sitting, you know, combine those two and he's still in and there's no pressure on him to leave whatsoever. So I don't think it will be his last match um, on Thursday. Uh, and he he does feel that he should at least finish the season, but the managers were linked with it's, it's tough not to, you know, uh, get involved with that type of stuff. They're talking about Roma's Paulo Fonseca, um, who used to coach, used to coach Braga. He's at, at Roma now and doing pretty well. And then you have like, sorry, they're talking about coming to, to Benfica because he wants to get back into the managerial scene and, and we're one of the, the possible landing spots, but we'll see what happens with the managerial situation. Personally, Given the history uh, of our past managers, I don't think we should have sacked our, our last manager when we did. Um, mm. And JJ's, you know, unwillingness to, to play academy players is something that I really think a side that's falling like we are needs. I mean, yeah. just put your own side. If Imagine not playing Smith Rowe. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what the story in the, in the table would be if that was the case. So his unwillingness to do that, you know, kind of make, puts, me a, puts me in a difficult spot. But it's tough. I think managers in general nowadays get sacked too quick. Uh, they're all emotional decisions. I'm glad they gave Arteta time um, because look what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, I was always Arteta in, even if that meant helping Wolves go up in the table. No, no, it's, it's, it's your point about um, we're not giving managers enough time. I absolutely applaud that. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the case um, with, with most managers, but JJ's just general disposition. He still really hasn't apologized for any of the results. Um, and, and yeah, as, as Gary's saying there, it is eerily similar to Arsenal. Um, yeah. there, there are a lot of similarities between the two of us going back to, you know, just our fan bases in general, but then also our, our current form. Um, and, and so it's something that we'll have to wait and see. I do wish we had Arteta just because he plays the youth. And I really think Benfica, I mean, we've sold over a billion dollars, a billion euros worth of, of players over the last 10 years or so. That's the type of talent you have coming out. Yeah. And it's not like all of a sudden the talent's not there. It's just the fact that the talent's not being managed the way that it should be. So um, unfortunately, that's that's our situation. And I think JJ was stuck around, but also he's a big game manager. Mm-hmm. So every single one of these disappointing draws that we've had in the league, he's followed up with, a, I mean, it's still a draw, but a great uh, performance against Porto. He had a great performance against um, against you guys in the first leg. So we'll have to wait and see what he's able to do. He does have the experience um, in these big competitions. And I'd love to see what he's able to do if, if we're able to, to come out on top uh, on Thursday. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, just to touch on that, like Gary said about the, the situation seems eerily similar to Arsenal. And, and that's actually something that I did say to you, you know, from hearing you speak in the first preview, I was saying this almost sounds like we're supporting the same club here. Like <laughs> even the way you were saying we were expecting to play and set up and all the situation going on. I was saying this is basically Benfica are the Arsenal now of the Portuguese league and, and we're the Benfica of the Premier League. It, it, it's crazy the similarities. Um, and I like that. Yeah, you know, I think something that has frustrated fans with Arteta is the fact that he has been a bit unwilling to use the youth players up up until kind of recently enough. And now he is giving youth an opportunity to an extent. You know, there's there's a debate we'll probably have a little bit later on about Martinelli and, and the likes. You know, Smith Rowe, Bukayo Saka, yeah, he, uh, he has them in the team. He's given them a chance. It wasn't always that simple for Smith Rowe. And a lot of people are saying he got a little bit lucky that his hand was a little bit forced and maybe he had no choice but to but to give him a shot. And it's worked absolute wonders. Um, and I think Smith Rowe has, has, you know, given Arteta one of those headaches now where he's kind of saying, okay, maybe I don't really want to go down the route of playing this guy, but he's made himself, you know, so important to the team that, you know, whether Arteta likes it or not, I don't think he can take Smith Rowe out. I, you know, Arteta's kind of funny like that at the moment. And I don't know whether it's just, I keep going back to him being inexperienced and maybe a little bit naive. You know, maybe he thinks as an inexperienced coach, he's thinking, well, you know, I can I can rely on the, you know, dependable players being my experienced guys. Maybe he doesn't quite have the trust yet in the youth. Now, I think he's learning, you know, the youth can be every bit as good and trustworthy. And like that, you look at guys like Bakayo Saka and guys like Smith Rowe, they've been our best performers this season. It's the experienced guys that you would depend on, you know, Aubameyang and the likes. They're the guys who are letting you down. Inevitably, they're the guys that are going to cost Arteta his job should it come to it, you know. So he needs to start giving these guys a chance. And, and we definitely will talk about Martinelli souls. But like that, uh, you know, we, we've heard uh, from Joe about the situation regarding the Benfica coach. Arteta, I know I know you're very much, um, you know, give him a chance on that. Um, and a lot of people are saying, and again, a lot of people are quite reactionary, I, and I understand. Look, it's a results-driven business. If we get knocked out 
of the Europa League. You know, it's not looking particularly good for a sixth place finish. Is that, you know, end of days for Arteta at Arsenal? Uh, for me and the board, no, because the board have already come out and said that he will be in charge of next season and he will be given the chance and proper backing, apparently. So, um, obviously, we've seen the news come out, obviously, with Cronky uh, losing nearly $1.4 billion dollars of his fortune um, due to like the pandemic and COVID mm -hmm. and everything, and um, which isn't looking good. But one thing that I do want to iterate to people is that this is a project. We were impatient when it came to Emery and we probably didn't give him enough time to kind of put his stamp on the team. But let's not keep making the same mistakes. Sometimes, you know, you've got to look at the problem for what it is. Yeah. The board are not backing the players. We're not getting enough players in. When you've got Chelsea who bought in, what was it, like six players this summer worth a lot of money with a lot of potential, with a lot of backing. And, and they were probably with some of the most hyped players in, in world football, in likes of Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, and you know, and then bringing in the experience of like a Thiago Silva as well. That's what we need to be doing at Arsenal Football Club. This problem has been now for 17 years. It's mm -hmm. come from the winger. And now when we look at it, what Arteta's doing is everything that's not on the pitch at the moment. As in, he's sorting the corporate process out. He's sorting mm -hmm. the backroom staff out. He's sorted the, the deadwood and the... And, and, and at the beginning, he said that these snitches are going to get the highest of consequences. And now it seems, I don't know whether how true it is or whether people have just kind of backed off because, oh, yeah, well, we'll just let them get the heat. And then later on, they'll come back to being the, the, the ones who spread all these rumours. Um, we don't know. But what I've always said to people is that this team is three, four years behind their competition. And yeah. now... The blame isn't on a manager. Any manager can come in and they're set to fail because we're not bringing in enough players to really back him. Yes, you know, when Joe says using the youth, it's a combination of the two. You need to have youth in there, which we've now now come to realise who those youth players are going to be going into the future or, or the immediate future, should I say, in the likes of potentially Balogun, depending on if we can get him sorted. Um, Martinelli, with the Martinelli situation, I'm going to touch on as well, um, I'll touch on later because you said we're going to talk about the, the Smith-Rowe one I will touch on. Yes. Arteta got asked about Smith-Rowe earlier on in the season and he said that the problem with Smith-Rowe is he's picking up little injuries and that's the reason why I can't put him into the first team and I'm giving him Europa League runouts just to yes. see and test his fitness at a higher level. And, and, and when he brought him into Chelsea was reportedly the time span he was giving anyway. He was giving him the winter to come into the team and actually potentially integrate him. Um, yes, his hand was forced. I'm not going to be delusional and say his hand wasn't forced because you didn't have the likes of Willian. Uh, Aubameyang was like in and out at that point. Um, we didn't have Lacazette. Obviously, Gabriel was out with COVID with Willian. So, yeah, to a degree, his hand was forced, but at least he then realised, OK, let me continue playing him and actually developing him. But one thing that we've seen immediately with Smith-Rowe is how his lack of fitness, and that's not a, not a hit on him, but just because this is the first big season where he's playing for a first team, the thing that people forget is Saka, wasn't actually, Saka was also in and out last season of the team, especially going into the last stages of the season. Uh, Saka actually didn't feature for most of it because he was young and he needed to kind of sporadically use him just so that he can build that sort of fitness and get used to because for under 23 is, is is one level of football where you're developing your foundations and you're playing a little bit less of the intensity of football when you come into the first team you're coming against people who are in the 
it's a Premier League. You're coming across world-class players. You're coming across, don't forget, with the 1% of the population who actually made it, right? That is huge. Like, you're coming across the best of the best. You are going to get kicked. You are going to get physically, because they're men. They're like 28-year-old men playing like 16, 17, 18-year-olds. And it's different. Like, even when I used to play football and, and, and you used to play against, like, you know, two years above you, the physicality was massive. Like, you, you were a little bit scared because... Let's be honest, they were a lot more developed as players. So you do have to give Arteta, give Arteta the chance because when people say they don't understand the process, I'll explain the process to people. What he wants to do is implement this sort of La Masia Croy football, the, 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 the complete football that um, the Netherlands bought in and Cruyff bought into Barcelona. The, the sort of attacking wing-backs who have the ability to go forward and back, and he's got that in Tierney, but unfortunately Tierney's not been able to stay fit enough for him to implement that fully. He wants us to have like inside forwards who are coming in, so if the ball's on the left-hand side, you've got your right-hand side cutting in, coming into the box for more support into the into the box. The problem that you have is we don't have a foundation to build and we don't have two you know, solid midfielders. When Party and Xhaka are together, we're starting to see more of that play to come to come to life and that sort of tactics come to life. But the problem is we've got we've got too many gaps to fill. And I was speaking to someone and I and I do genuinely believe we're about three or four signings away from kind of competing in the league again. And then, yeah. and then going into the next window and depthing that squad, sort of what Liverpool did. Um, Liverpool brought in the likes of Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, and Mane to build that sort of first team structure, and then built behind it to bring that depth in. Unfortunately, they just had way too many injuries this season to the point where even City would suffer if they had that many injuries. No squad is ready for that, but that's that's obviously off topic. But and that's why I do think if 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 we want to see Arsenal compete. Whoever you want to back, back them because you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to complete a process unless you bring in a Roman Abramovich. If you want to have an 18 month manager, go sport Chelsea because that's that. I don't want that to be Arsenal, and I'm sure Joe will come here and say he doesn't want that to be Benfica either because that's not what we are. We're not even look at United when they stuck to a manager. And they said to Oli, "No, we're gonna ride or die with you regardless of these rough patches." Look at them now; they've got a team that's now assembling. The old United. That's assembling the mentality. And Arteta understands that mentality because he's played for us. Yes, he's not a legend or an icon for us, but he because he's played with us and he's played at an era where we had players that we were proud to call Arsenal players. He had the likes of Fabregas at the time. He had like so many different players like Sanchez and even Ozil. And that's what we need to do. We do need to be a little bit patient, but I do think the board seriously, if it's not Arteta. Please come out and tell us we don't want to back Arteta and we want to sit there and we want to back this manager instead because whoever comes in, firstly, needs the backing of the fans. And, yeah. and I think people are being a little bit too emotionally invested. If you take that emotions and take it away and just focus on, even if you look at the bad and if you tactically try to start breaking that team down, you'll see where he wants to go. Even against City, I don't think the players are intelligent enough to implement the system he wanted to play because there were times where players were losing the ball and I was sat there like, what the hell are you doing? Like, how can you not make that pass? You're making a pass right in front of you. No one's there and you're still failing. Then you've got Bellerin who's trying to run forward and puts it out for a throwing. Like, it's just bizarre things where I sit there and I'm like, no manager in the world is training them to do that. 
I'm, I'm sure Arteta's not like Bellerin. Please mess up because that's that's <laughs> what I want you to do. Um, holding, please, please don't get tied to the player. Because come on, let's be real. Like no coach is doing that. So sometimes you do then have to sit there and think: Are the players intelligent enough? And my answer yeah. is no, because half of the players we're sat here talking about and, and featuring in this eleven, we wanted gone in the summer. But yet these same players miraculously are supposed to become world-class world beaters and be in the top four of a Premier League. Souls on fire today. On fire. <laughs> and we have to take a minute just to cool down there. That, you, know what, you, know what, you know what? This is why I love you, man. This is why you just, you know, you blow my mind with some of this stuff. But yeah, no, look. I, I agree so, so much uh, with a lot of the stuff, everything, everything you're saying. I, I completely on board. I completely get your your your, your thought process there. Like, um, yeah, but look, like, like, you, like you were saying, look, the, the problems, they, they have to go beyond what we see on the pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday or a, or a Thursday night. It, it goes beyond that, you know. A manager's job is not as simple as, you know, show up, you know, you, you pick your 11, you make your subs, this guy on, this guy off, and that's it. It's it's not that simple. You know, as you said, there's no way Arteta is telling these guys, you know, don't pick up a man. Like, you, you look you look at, uh, you know, Mares, you know, had, had Tierney's head spinning the other day, got down the line, swung the ball in. It was it was just a moment of madness. Bellerin holding, there was no communication. They're both ball watching instead of man watching. I've absolutely no doubt that was not the instruction. The instruction was not, yeah, don't pick up this guy. Okay, he's five foot seven. He's no threat. Like that, that can't be the instruction. It, it comes down to football IQ. I mean, I mean, hypothetically, even if we said that is the instruction, let's just let's just for some bizarre reason, let's think that is the. Come on, you're a defender that's been through the youth academy of some of the best yeah. academies in the world. If you know you've been through at least three, four years in terms of holding. And Bellerin's been at Barcelona's academy. You know, let's not forget these guys have not been through some muggy, like, you know, the, like a Vardy, for example. If Vardy made those mistakes, you can understand because he came from yeah. low, low league football into the Premier League and, and into stardom very, very, like, quickly. These yeah. guys have trained amongst the best coaches in the youth academies. And you're telling me that you've got no ounce of footballing brain. If your coach is telling you to lay off a player that you're not thinking actually... I've been taught to be tight to a player and actually be a little bit aggressive. There was no attempt to defend. That's my issue. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're dead, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, this team, it, it leaves you scratching your head at the best of times. Um, look, I've absolutely no doubt on the training ground, like we, we've, we've heard Pep singing the praises of Arteta and a lot of people associated with Man City were actually come out and saying that, you know, Arteta is the man pulling the strings, you know, on the training ground. Arteta is the man has the, the relationship with the players. He's the organizer. He's the almost the mentor or Guardiola is the face. And, you know, yeah, he's the Sterling, Sane, uh, you they them yeah. two especially have said, because um, Pep actually came out and said in one of his interviews that, what Arteta came in and done was Sterling's starting position was kind of... So he's turned it from being back to just side on. 
so that when yeah. he touches the ball, he can actually push it forward and actually develop into that play. And that's the tweak Arteta, apparently Pep said he's come in and he's done that tweak to him and it's just his yeah. starting position. Now look at him. So you can see Arteta, and even with Sani, Sani became an inverted winger under Pep Guardiola. Um, yeah. And Arteta developed that style and that's what he's doing with the Pepe and Saka when he switched them to, to become inverted wingers instead of your natural sort of traditional wingers where you're on yeah. your strong foot and you can cut in. And you're starting to see those little things coming. But the thing is, this this sort of stuff takes time, especially yeah. with the Saka and Pepe. They're young in their careers. I know Pepe is 24 and it's a little bit coming to his peak, but he's still a young player developing. Yeah. And the more time you've given these guys, the more Pepe is now starting to make people eat their words because think about what he's done recently. He's been phenomenal. And then Saka, obviously, he's just he's he's one of the best youngsters like in the world, arguably. Like there's some players above and beyond, but he's in the top five for me. Yeah, well, look, it it does come to a point where, like you said, you you can coach the guys to the best of your ability. You can give them everything. You, you can have any coach in the world, um, you know, giving instructions to guys like you know Granishaka gets a lot of stick. You put any attacking coach, the best attacking coach you can find. Like you try and make Granishaka, you know, a world class box to box midfielder, it, it's just not gonna happen. You know, guys have limits, and unfortunately, we have too many guys at our club that I think have reached their limit and they cannot go beyond. Now it's time like that, like Joe, you were saying with the youth players and Benfica are a great example of it. You, you bring these guys up, you see the talent and you embrace it, you know, you, you train these guys up. You, you have to realize when you get to a point with certain players that there can be no more improvement, you know, we've seen Arsene Wenger got what he could out of guys like that. You know, we've seen Emery could only get so much. Now we're seeing Arteta can only get so much. Sometimes you can only bleed a player dry, you know, for so long. And then it gets to a point where you say, look, you've done, you've done the job that I needed you to do. Now, thanks very much. It's time for me to bring in someone else that can do the next job for what I want to do. But look, we'll uh, we'll move into now. Uh, we, we'll have a, a bit of a chat about what actually happened in the first leg. Um, yeah, Joe, look, I, I'm going to start with you. Look, you know, coming into that game, uh, you know, expectations versus reality. How were how you feeling? Like how, how, from your perspective, from a Benfica perspective, you know, was that a good result? Was it a good performance? And, you know, what do you see from that first game? You know, did you, did you see anything that would, you know, give you any fear of Arsenal in the second leg? So, yeah, in terms of expectations, I had predicted uh, a two-all draw. So just yeah. a little bit off. And and I am happy um, with the result, just given uh, what kind of, you know, when, what happened during the match. So, in the first half, we had really two main chances. One, of course, I don't need to bring it up. It's in the back of everyone's minds right now, the Aubameyang miss. I mean, that's that's a given goal right there. And really, for that reason alone, I, I feel that, that we are lucky to come out uh, with, with the draw. But then towards the end, you had the the gift from Granit Xhaka uh, to David Luiz, who was just sitting back looking at the ball, and uh, Grimaldo came right in. And, you know, again, Sol's, I mean, this kind of, again, goes into one of the reasons why I don't love Grimaldo is that he was right in front of the net and decides to cross. I mean, that's a golden opportunity, and I think he showed some uh, displeasure with himself afterwards. Um, but so for the first half, I mean, the back line was great. Our back line was great. That was something that, in terms of my expectations for the match, I didn't really have any because it was the first time 
that these three had played together. Uh, Verissimo getting his debut. It was the first time we'd really played in this true 3-4-3 formation um, under, under JJ. And what it came down to was the fact that we were able to draw Arsenal offside seven times in the, in the first half. And I think that really set the tone there because mm-hmm. nothing could have really been done. I mean, there was really no exciting football played in the first half, aside from that one uh, Bellerin crossover to Aubameyang that he put right past the net. But it was just your classic Arsenal controlling the tempo, but there were really no dangerous passes. You saw Odegaard try to create, but when he would create, the resulting pass would, would be offside. And um, he was someone that really scared me coming in, and I thought he had a, a great match. Um, yeah. Every bit of danger that Arsenal created, I think, started with him, except for maybe one or two balls from, from Gabriel, which were great, um, those balls over the top. But for the first half, I was – ecstatic to come out um, scoreless. Now for the second half, um, from a Benfica perspective, starting PZ was something that, you know, I knew JJ had to do. He's the competition leading scorer. He is actually uh, clear now for, for the competition's leading scorer with seven goals after the penalty. And, but the whole reason that that penalty was even created was the work of Diogo Gonçalves, our right back who typically doesn't start uh, our right wing back in this case. Rafa, who JJ brought on to open up the match in the second half, which certainly happened. And then Pizzi, who, you know, as much as the guy frustrates me, he does have flashes here and there where it's like, oh, great. But the the, the play that led to the penalty started with a, a Pizzi back heel that went horribly wrong. And then, you know, uh, Smith Rowe collected the ball, but Gonzalez was able to kind of kick it out under him and get it to Pizzi, who won the corner. And then from the corner, you know, Pizzi, Rafa, and Gonzalez combined for that uh, clever work, and it, it led to the handball and the goal. So, I mean, that that was what I was kind of looking for in the whole first first half. Um, and I'll let you guys kind of kind of touch on it uh, there. But afterwards, what I saw from Mayfica, it was frustrating. Um, given the like, given the, the the situation of having to hold Arsenal to as few goals as possible with the away goal advantage that they had coming in, yeah, that was really my main my main concern. If we could keep this match to you know, only conceding once or, or, you know, no goals, which would have been, would have been great. Um, I'd be happy, especially considering we started a keeper who he's, he's played nine, nine times all season versus uh, Vlako Dimas has been our starter for the last three years, really. Um, and there's some controversy around that, but I thought he looked great. He had a couple of, uh, of times where he came out of the box, which he's great at doing. And he, he saved us uh, some headaches there, but what about you guys? What did what did you have to? Yeah, look, Joe, um, great analysis. Uh, but look, you've um, you've made me a little bit sad. I, I'm not going to lie because if there was anything I was taking from that performance, I, I'll be honest. I thought Arsenal, you know, slightly edged it. I thought we looked a slight better team, and I thought to myself, "Well, look, Kieran Tierney is on the way back. He may start now in the next game." I was thinking maybe we've Thomas Partey to come back. We don't know. So missing a couple of key players. You've just mentioned you you played a goalkeeper only played nine times you you played a defender who was making his debut you know uh, so so basically what you're telling me is benfica also have better players to come back so you know there's that that little bit of hope that i had maybe kind of gone out the window there but uh souls look we we have to do it we have to talk Aubameyang. we have to talk that miss and look Aubameyang off the back of a hat-trick against leeds then to basically missing a hat-trick of chances against Benfica. What is going on with this guy? 
Uh, your guess is as good as mine, really. Um, I don't know because, I mean, obviously he did come out and say that he was having um, personal issues with his uh, mum being ill. And but, I, like I said in the first, but if 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 you're not mentally or physically ready, don't play. Um, be be man enough to admit that you know what, maybe I am going through a few things, and for for the betterment of the team, I'm gonna step back on this one. And I think a lot of people would respect that because if he now comes out again and says, you know, um. Yeah, my mum's ill. That's why I've had a bit of bad form. It's gonna, it's gonna come to the the point of you know when Ozil and his back problems, it's gonna become one of them situation. And I know it sounds mean to say that, and I know, you know, you're gonna be there for your mum regardless of you know like family always comes first. But you've got to be mad enough, especially in the game of football, where you're like, no, I'm not ready to play. I've, I'm mentally, my, my my mind isn't on it. Maybe at least he was ready, but then something may have developed going into Thursday. Um, potentially, we don't know, but um. That, that's 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 probably my best guess. I think it's, I think I think that's the other frustrating thing because I think we could have been, and I've said it before, we could have genuinely been out of the game if and if Aubameyang even took one of those chances because we would have been the first goal scorers. And the one thing that I do want to credit Arsenal is <clears throat> we've been able to hold games better. We've been defensively managing games a lot better than we have in previous years. If this yeah. was. Arsenal of let's say a couple of years ago, Benfica would have probably destroyed us because they would have ripped us open a lot more easily. Because there were moments in that game, I'm not sure who played the through ball, but it went right through the middle of our defence midfield, and um, and it was one of your strikers who went and missed him. I can't remember the name, uh, but I can remember the movement. I can remember all of that, but I just don't know who was involved. I forgot who, uh, which Benfica players. This is near the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nunes, maybe. Was it Nunes? I think obviously Joe will know. I believe I believe it was. Um, I'm trying to think ex exactly which ball. The, really, the ball that struck out for me was when uh, Gabriel cut through cut through our midfield. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah the, well, the one that I seen was right in the middle, and I think it was Nunes, Darwin Nunes, is it? Um, who 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 scuffed it like completely skied it? But um, oh yeah, that that was that was Darwin on that one. I, I'm remembering. Yeah, yeah. and um, so, so, so I mean they can do that. That's the problem. Um, yeah. That we have, they can at a moment's notice rip our defense. And the other thing is Smith throw, and I think that mistake wouldn't have happened if he was rested personally. Um, yeah. I think that was just a little bit of fatigue, and I think it was a little bit of overwork. And it was a bit um, at that stage of the game, especially. He just didn't look, and I, I was saying it before, he needs to come off. And Gary yeah. in the chat knows because I think we did a watch along. I don't know whether he was, I think he came in the second half um, mm -hmm. of that watch along, and he'll probably echo a lot of what I'm saying now. And the problem that we had was if you it's the if you want to know what Arsenal have been this season, go watch that first leg, because that's the story of Arsenal. Chances are created, chances aren't taken. Um, Defenses, those errors like a handball and a giving away a penalty at that stage of the game isn't good. But then one moment of direct play, like literal full on attack mode, and we scored. So that goes to show if we are really positive and we think positively, we can actually rip this team. And guess what? We took the entire team out of the game. It was Cedric took the keeper and it was an open goal for whoever wanted to put that away. And that's what we can do. And that's what my, my frustration comes to. When I see that goal, I was like, where was this? And if Aubameyang puts even one of his three chances in the first half away, we're talking a different game today. I'm not saying Benfica had no chance to come back in because they yeah. still had Everton. They still had Rafa to come on. And I rate Everton a lot. And when he came on, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a scary game now because he is, he is quite frankly, a quality player who can change the game. And he did. 
he, yes. he quite frankly he was direct in his approach and he asked a lot of questions. I mean, Bellerin isn't the greatest anyway to begin with. Um, so you can ask any question of him really and get any answer you want. Um, and, and a lot of people are making the joke, like even us on the panel could probably spin Bellerin a few times. So <laughs> you know, it's but I think I think what Arteta really needs to do is play it. I think I think the way we approached it is we need to be solid at the back. And we need to feel the game out rather than go gun ho because we yeah. are at a disadvantage. Being one one is not a good result. It doesn't give us any advantage, in my personal opinion. I'm not I'm not confident with the result, but I do I am confident that Arsenal will beat Benefica, of course, being an Arsenal fan. That that's not me writing Benefica off, by the way. I, I've got a lot of respect for Benefica and I do think they can win. But I think yeah. being a fan, of course, you're never gonna say you're gonna lose a game. <laughs> but I do believe it, the thing is, right, if they're not fired up for this game, they've lost all my respect. They've, they, they, yeah. they, that's going to take a lot to gain back because I want us, I, I don't mind getting knocked out if we fought and we did our absolute everything and, and no silly things, man. We, if we're switched on, we can win that game because that, and, and the one thing that I do want to say about Benefica was they had a high line. I was so surprised to see such a high line being played against Arsenal because even Joe said it, like the pace the pace that Arsenal possess is frightening. It'll frighten any team in Europe. Like when you've got a Saka coming at you, when you've got a Bamian, if he fully runs, um, and then you've got, let's say, Pepe is playing, or you know, in this case, we had Odegaard, which is probably the slowest of the three. Um, mm. But when you've got like, if, you, if say, for example, we had a Martinelli or a Pepe in there, You'd be frightened. You would not want to be playing that high line because it'll get destroyed and it got shown as well. And I think when you go into the second half, JJ did rectify that a little bit because they did play a little bit deeper and they started to kind of, not not so deep to the point they were parking the bus, but it was kind of like a mid-high. So they, were, they weren't at the halfway line, but they were kind of like just on the edge of their box and that's kind of where they held their line. Um, which obviously made it a lot harder for us in the second half, hence why we thought, yeah, we've, we've got a little bit of a better game, but that's more because they kind of stuck, took a little bit of a step back rather than being on the front foot. Being the home side, you kind of have to be on the front foot. Um, but that's that's what a great manager is, is, someone that can understand those differences of just taking that step back or step forward in, in a game. And that's what he did perfectly well. And um, when we go into this game, I think looking at it, Ben Martinelli would be an absolute delight because I think the way how direct Martinelli is, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd feel sorry for Benfica. No disrespect, but I think how direct he is, um, he'd ask so many questions of especially an aging team, and that would also because Aubameyang's not been on the form of his life, yeah. he's one of those players who's already out of the game before you go into it, and and, and that's not me disrespecting him. That's just me putting it how it is, and. Mm. Um, when you've got then if you've got a pep, even a Pepe for example then even though your focus all your focus is on Saka let's say you've got a Pepe who can break through and and do his little bit of magic then you've got a couple of questions that the defense have to ask it's like when we talk about I always talk about attacking partnerships because if one's not having a good game you want the other two to have a good game or the other three to have a good game depending on if you're going to include your number ten into that and unfortunately we had Saka and Odegaard, but Odegaard was a lot easier to exclude from the game because he was starting everything rather yeah. than the one who's going to go and do something at the end. And that's why it's a lot. That's why that number ten is always going to be one that you don't really include when you're talking about who's going to change the game, even though they can make those passes. Um, but we didn't have enough players who were asking questions of that Benfica backline, especially with the way they approached the game. I was I was surprised that Aubameyang didn't ask more questions. 
And uh, I was surprised. That's that's where party would have really been magical. But mm. um, there are a few reports. Apparently, he's training with the squad, and there's there's signs. But I don't think he's back. I wouldn't put my money on him being back. But there's there's a few murmurs going around. I don't know how true they are. But going into this, I think this is going to be an incredible match either way. I think it's going to be one of those where. Up until the 90 minutes, you can't, you can't write anything off unless some miraculously one of us goes and scores like four goals out of nowhere and, you know, <laughs> puts in this masterclass of an attacking performance that we've not seen all season. Uh, it's going to be one of those that goes to the end. And I wouldn't be surprised if this goes into penalties or like extra time or whatever the, the European rulings are for. Yeah. No, I have I have to agree there. Uh, and and to me, one thing for for this Benfica side is just that you know in years past it was this mentality of every game's a final, um, be it in the league or in in, in Europe, and you kind of saw some of that mentality, uh, you know, move away from the club, unfortunately. But if they treat this as the old Benfica, that's you know this is a final, this is the match. I don't care about any other matches that are coming up. Really looking at our our, uh, our upcoming matches, there is no big match after this one. So we play, I mean, we play Porto match week 31. We're on match week 21 right now. So, I mean, this is it. This is our all-in, this is our final match. And if JJ treats it like that and is able to do what he has been able to do in, in years past, I mean, he was down 1-0 in the 88th minute to, to River Plate in the Libertadores final with Flamengo. And they won that match um, in, in regular time. So... It's something that there is a little bit of luck to situations like that, but also if he instills this mentality into the team of, listen, hey, I'm I'm out if we lose this game. You're probably all out if we lose this game. Like, you know what's at stake. This is Europe. This is all we need to do is get that one goal. And I think if Benfica is able to get that one goal, you know, be it from the penalty spot or not, because we have four penalties in the Europa League so far. PZ's top score of seven goals. Yeah. If we get a penalty, I have confidence. And if it goes to penalty – penalties at, uh, at the end of the match even more so. But what it really comes down to is will Benfica be able to make the most of the few chances they get? Because fortunately, with the side we have right now, Luca Waldschmidt started last game. He didn't look good at that match. He didn't look, look good in the, league, uh, in the, the weekend uh, match either. So really, it's it'll be interesting to see what 11 we put out. Aside from, you know, those defensive players, I feel like we'll say. Uh, Rafa didn't start last game. I do think he gets the nod uh, uh, tomorrow. But if we're able to create chances, Darwin Nunez and Harris Farovich have – I don't, I can't even count how many chances they've, they've missed so far this season. So if they're able to make the most of those chances, then I have confidence. That's a huge caveat, that being said. But it's all about, I think, who gets the first goal. Um, Joe, can I just say Arteta came out after the City game and said we're treating this like a final, um, as if it's if, if if all life depends on it, basically. Um, and I, I believe Xhaka also came out and said similar things. That, um, he's instilled a lot of confidence going into this game, so um, we are we are definitely treating it like it's 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 make or break of the season, and it probably is as well, because um, if we're looking at our league form, it's not been great. So this game is going to be very important, and that's why I think this is a game that you know. For, for the neutrals as well might be good. But obviously for us, it's going to be like a, a heart-dropping and heart-wrenching you know game because every little thing is going to be scrutinized. And I think 
anything that's said during any watch along, you just can't take it with a grain of salt because this is going to be those games that heightened emotions are going to be heightened. It's going to be like a, I know, and I know it sounds it sounds bad to say around twenty three and thirty two, sorry, and we're and we're um, making it a cup final, but it's that big Benfica. If you came into Europa League and said Arsenal and Benfica are playing in the final, you wouldn't sit there and be like, what? How the hell did that happen? Exactly. Because they are they are European giants, both of them. Like they are come back with a with reputation, and that's how we've got to treat it. And when you look at the first, first, uh, both teams had a lot of respect for each other as well, to a level. And a lot of t- both teams um, shown that, you know, you can't just go for this game, regardless of how bad each other have been. And I think mm-hmm. similar approaches are going to be taken because no one's out of it and no one's in it. Is, is what I'm going to say as well, because it's 1-1. It's anyone's game. Yeah, and, and what it what it really comes down to is that this match, I mean, even from a club perspective, is massive. I mean, we're in the last year of our Emirates sponsorship. We're in the last year of our Adidas sponsorship. So, yeah, we're both... We've still of, got it. We've still got who, who it. Flies, who flies better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another thing we have in common. Like, we've almost got the same shirt as well. Not only do we, do we share the same problems with management and players and that... But uh, look, just just quickly before we move on, uh, just my feeling on the first leg, um, Joe, as you were saying, you know, players like Rafa Silva didn't start, uh, Everton came on. I, I feel that the first leg was a, a real missed opportunity for Arsenal, not just in terms of the fact that we missed a lot of good chances. Like you said, look, you had a, a defender who made his debut, had to go off late in the game, suffering from cramp. You know, we had... A serious opportunity there to put this game you know beyond the second leg we could have been coming into this being able to rest a few key players and maybe that would have gave us an opportunity to not put all of our eggs in the Europa basket we could have had a, a view now on the Leicester game on Sunday now we have that problem where you know we have to go out full strength we need to win this game like it's it's make or break um in terms of you know what I would worry about from both sides, Benfica and Arsenal, it was a pretty poor performance from both sides in the first game. I don't think any side watching the pair of our teams play would be overly concerned about having to play either of us in the next round. When you look at some of the teams left in the competition, you've still got Man United, you've got Tottenham, you've got Ajax, you have a free score on Rangers team. You did, did, did you say Tottenham? Yeah. Yeah, they're out. They're up 4-1, so so they're going through for the next (laughs) round. It's a given. Uh, You know, AC Milan, Leicester, who we play on Sunday, with Napoli, Roma, Villarreal. That's the calibre of team. And the big big talking point, uh, you know, surrounding Arteta and that is, you know, our best entry into Europe for next season is going to come via the Europa League. Now, not for everybody. Some people think we might be able to pull it out of the bag in the league. Personally, I don't think our form is consistent enough to be able to guarantee that we're going to string enough wins together, we're going to accumulate enough points. I do believe that, yeah, Europa League could be our best our best entry into Europe next season. But when I look at that list, I have to admit, I'm not confident, and absolutely no disrespect to Benfica, but from what I saw from Benfica in the first leg and the fact that we could not put them away, it would definitely concern me, you know, against a stronger side. If we do manage to go through, I would be extremely concerned because, you know, we're not that type of team. You know, we don't seem to be showing up for these big, important games. Our, our Europa form, okay, look, 
we, we had a we had a handy group. It was a given we were going to get through that group. You know, we, we probably could have played our, our under 14s team and, and got through that group. Um, again, no disrespect to those sides, even though I've completely disrespected them there with that. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's only going to get tougher as the competition goes on. The the chances of us actually actually winning the competition, I think this goes for both Benfica and Arsenal. I, I think it's pretty slim given what we've we've seen. Unless we see something completely different, completely different on Thursday, um, I'm just I'm not overly confident. So it, it will leave us in a in a in a serious predicament now. Um, I just quickly I just want to quickly talk about Aubameyang. I know we we've had a little bit on his form and that. My my feeling on Aubameyang at the moment, uh, with regards to I'm going to even bring Martinelli into this because I, I did want to talk about the Martinelli situation. You know Martinelli. We know he's you know a young, talented player, full of energy. We did see him come on late against Benfica. I don't think he was given enough time to really you know make anything happen. And Benfica, I think, were were setting up to you know cover and defend at that stage. So it was always going to be a little bit tougher. The game was going to be a, a lot less open than it was previous to him coming on. So it was never going to be easy for him. My feeling is you know drop a bombing. Play somebody like Martinelli on the left who has the energy, the the drive, the motivation. He, he's been sat out for so long. He's going to be chomping at the bit to get going. With Aubameyang, I think the problem you have with Aubameyang is a lot of people are saying, you know, you can't really drop your captain. You know, he has the captain's armband. How can you leave the captain out of the team? I think with Aubameyang's personal problems going on off the field, you can see his head's not there. His form is suffering. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Arteta, you know, to put the arm around the Bamiyang and say, you know what, you don't need this right now. You don't need this captain's armband. And it's nothing to do with you as a person. It's nothing to do with you as a captain. Like, do him a favor. Take him out of the limelight and say to him, right now, your head needs to be elsewhere. And that's, you know, concentrate on your family life. We have players capable of stepping in if you give them the opportunity. You know, we've got Pepe. We, we've got... If anything, we're covered on the wings. We have enough on the wings that you can afford to take Aubameyang out. And, and to be honest, look, right now, the way he's playing, he's absolutely no miss. You, you could line up with 10 players and just leave the wing free. And it's about the same as what you're getting out of Aubameyang anyway. So I think it's definitely an opportunity for, for a coach to say to the player, you don't need this extra pressure right now. You don't need the stick. We're going to sit you out for a while. Get your head sorted. You know, come back mentally prepared and then we'll see how it goes who you give the armband to, to then I, I'm not sure um, that's another debate altogether but with Martinelli and that I, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not a trust issue Arteta has I'm hoping it's more of a concern about a reoccurrence of the injury he had he's a young kid he was out for a long time you know with a, a pretty serious injury he came back and in a warm-up game, I think it was against Newcastle, he injured himself again. And I'm hoping this is just a case of we got a bit burnt with Thomas Partey, bringing him back a bit too soon. And, and look what's happened since. Uh, Kieran Tierney is probably another example. You know, maybe we, we need to give the guys, if, if they're injured, you know, give them the extra bit of time. And instead of getting them back kind of in drips and drabs, a couple of minutes here and there, the odd performance here and there, you know, just leave them out as long as they need to be out. Get them back 100% fit, ready to go. I'm hoping this is the case of Martinelli, that they're just being a little bit overcautious because 
especially at his, at his age, you know, this is his development right now. It, it's essential that he continues to progress and develop, but you can't do that if you're sat on the sidelines, you know, nursing an injury. If, if, you, if you have to go off and have another operation, that could be completely detrimental to a young guy's development and he may never hit the heights that we all hope he gets to. So, yeah, I would love him to get an opportunity. I definitely would. If it is a fitness concern, I can completely get behind why we're being a bit cautious, especially given the player Martinelli is. It reminds me of kind of an Alexis Sanchez type of player. And we've seen what happened with Alexis Sanchez. Arsenal ran that man into the ground and he was unbelievable for us. But we've seen now later in his career, he went to Man United, he's at Inter Milan. He, he's not half the player he was, and it's got to be, you know, players getting older, the injuries, they've all mounted up. We, we bled him dry. We, we, we got everything we could out of him. I don't want to see that happen to Martinelli. And as I said, he's that style of player. You know, if he's if he's 50% fit, he's still going to give you 100% on the pitch. That's going to lead to injuries, and you can't fault him for it. You, you absolutely can't. A young guy, again, they've no fear. They just jump in and they play, and I don't think they have that sort of um, in the back of your mind okay i better be a little bit cautious here or else i'm going to suffer an injury i don't think they're i don't think career longevity is crossing your mind which, which is which is grand you know at that age but i do think yeah a bit of man management with a guy like martinelli where he's going to be headstrong and say no i'm 100 ready to go but i think yeah the coach needs to say look we're just going to be a little bit careful with you but Hopefully, hopefully he is fit and ready to go and we unleash him against Benfica because I definitely think he can be a difference maker. Um, so, yeah, look, I think uh, actually before before we start wrapping up, um, we might as well talk about the the, the penalty decision, the Emil Smith-Rowe. I'm, I'm kind of going to stay out this one a little bit because even before we started the podcast here today, I've seen a couple of replays and... To be honest, I don't know whether it's just the old age kicking in and my eyesight's not what it was a couple of years ago, but every angle I've seen, I, I can't I can't fully make up my mind. I haven't seen a proper, proper I, I can't I can't 100% say it was, it wasn't. It, to me, it looked completely accidental. It looked like there was no intention. I could see his arm in the air, but he was looking away. Uh, did either of you see a proper, clear replay of it? I thought it was a penalty. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I, I can I can have a look at it again, but um, even even when I seen it, yeah, at first I was like, I was just frustrated, and then when I seen the replays, I think arm raised, regardless of whether you're looking or not, that's an unnatural position where your hand was. Yeah. Um. So I've got no absolutely no arguments, I've, and that's why I've not said it all game because in in the in the entire podcast because at the end of the day, a penalty that is as day clear as penalties get because if you got your hands like up here or something. If you jump for it and it's like covered his face or something, then you can consider whether he was, you know. But that, yeah, there's no excuses for your hand being that high. So yeah, not for me, no excuses. That's a penalty all day. Yeah, yeah. and I think just to touch on that real quick, Anthony, it, one thing that I always look to on those decisions that you know right away when I saw it, I was like, oh great, penalty. My first thought is it's a penalty, and then after seeing the replay, it wasn't as clear. But it's just, it was the general disposition of the Arsenal players. Like Smith Rowe accepted it the second it happened. You could see he hung his head when he came off the pitch as well. He knew what he did. Uh, and, and so for me, it was just right then and there, I just dropped it and said, you know, they would be they would be up in arms and this would be reviewed a little bit longer if there was a shadow of a doubt. And I really don't think there was. Like, 
like so. Yeah. And, and you know what, like Joe, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Uh, one of the reasons why, again, look, I I haven't seen I haven't seen a clear and obvious replay. I, I can see definitely the position of the hand looked unnatural. So yeah, to me, first glance, it did look a penalty. But, but what you just said there about you know uh, Smith Rowe just kind of accepted it and that you know, I think Smith Rowe, the type of player he is, he was actually sent off in a cup game against Newcastle, which again it was overturned because it it was it was the wrong decision to send that's, off. That's the type of club Arsenal are, not just Smith Rowe. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you could see even Smith Rowe strikes me as the type of kid that even if he genuinely didn't do something, he's still just gonna go. I can't believe that's been given against me. There was no argument out of him when he got that red card. And then they showed the replay. And, and he walked off the pitch. There was absolutely no... He, he, he had a look of shock, you know, where he was like, I can't believe I'm after getting sent off. And he walked off the pitch and, and it was fine. It was just shock and disbelief. And then they reviewed it and it was overturned and he was put back on. And then he went on to score the, the match-winning goal, which was even better again. But uh, yeah, no, I, I do think he's that type of kid. Like, you know, whether... It's intentional or not? I, I don't think you're going to get any dissent or argument out of him. I think he's just he, he seems to be. What I find refreshing about him is he he has that respect that a lot of players don't have. You know, he has respect for the referee's decision and and the call that's made, whether right or wrong. Uh, maybe at times, yeah, you could say he he might develop and and he, maybe he should be arguing his case a little bit more, but. Yeah, no, it is refreshing to see. I, I do like his uh, his personality and his attitude. And then quickly, uh, just the Arsenal, the Arsenal goal, uh, ball in from Cedric, Bukayo Saka, pretty easy tap in for him. One of the, one of the easiest goals he would probably scored this season. That went to VAR. Like I couldn't believe that went to VAR. And I'll be honest, when it happened in real time, and this happens to me all the time when I'm watching a game. There wasn't a lot happening at the time, so I said, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna nip to the bathroom real quick. I'll come back. I'm sure I won't have missed anything." And of course, I had the TV turned up loud, and I could hear cheering, and and I was gone because I, I had the the fake sounds on. And I'm thinking to myself, every time, every single time I got to the bathroom, something happened. So I might just Andy, sit. Could you not have gone to the bathroom three times after that as well? Just so. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of hooking the TV up into my bathroom. Or maybe <laughs> I, I stay in the bathroom and we might have an absolute cracker of a game, maybe five four or something. Well, yeah. Um, so initial thoughts on that. Now look. <laughs> I was thinking there and then I came back and it was in the middle of the replays and I was saying, how have they, how have they called this? And I was like, is, is VAR going to do us here again? I mean, before that goal, my heart was absolutely like, I was deflated because I was like, oh my God, we're actually going to go into the second leg again with a loss. Yeah. Um, and then that happened. I'm not going to lie. I just, I, I screamed. I was like, you know, like, like a kid in a candy shop, just absolutely <laughs> buzzing. And, yeah. um, and then they said far, and I was like, "What the hell was wrong with that?" And that's yeah. I, I don't know because obviously, as an Arsenal, maybe Benefit and Joe might be able to say something different. But me as a fan, maybe I am in the emotion, and I'm like, "Yes, finally we've flipping got a goal back." And I might have not seen a blatant offside, for example. But even yeah. looking at the replays, I was like, "What the hell are they viewing?" It's like every, and this is the problem. Like the referees want to do anything they can against Arsenal, like absolutely anything. Like we don't get things reviewed. But when it's a, when it's for us, it'll be reviewed so many times. 
like so many times to the point where they'll try and find like something that happened in the first half to try and disallow this goal. Like that's yeah. it's just it, it's, it gets to a point where you do get annoyed because it's like you're there just to make the clear and obvious mistakes, and there was nothing clear and obvious to look at. So it, it did annoy me, but we got the goal, so I'm not going to cry and complain about it too much because finally they've done their job right. Yeah, and, and you know what? We, we spoke about this in the first preview that we said, but look, Arsenal have a break from the Premier League VAR and the Premier League referees. And when I seen this, I was thinking, even in Europe, really? Even in Europe? I don't know, what, I don't know who we pissed off now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's But Yeah, look, uh, no, this this has been great. And I think we, we pretty much covered all bases. Um, so look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to delay too much longer. So, We'll just get straight in and we'll give prediction. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother going into you know who you think the lineups are gonna be because I think at this stage, like as, as we've said, you know, Arsenal rested players um, against City, uh, with players coming back. It's it's kind of too hard to predict. And I think the same job probably goes for Benfica. You know, you had players in out, there's still players to come in, and I think based off of the first performance. I'm sure the boat managers at Heta and JJ are probably saying, no, you know what, I need to counter this with something else. And, you know, it, it, it's going to be a really hard one to, to call the, the lineup. So I'm just going to go straight in. And, uh, Joel, I'll start with yourself. Uh, a score prediction. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. It's it's tough for me because I've, I've gone back and forth about this. Um, and it really depends on the you know, which Benfica we see. If it's this Benfica that says this is a final, then I'm pretty confident in, in you know, coming out and saying that I think we'll we'll come out top uh, two to one. Will that happen? We'll see. I do think that we concede just because I, I think we'll, uh, not to get into the lineups, but I do think we'll we'll play a similar formation uh, as last time and nothing's going to change at the back. Uh, so we're a little, we're left a little bit vulnerable there. Um, just with Saka's speed and with Alba's speed, and you know, just in general, any of your any of your attackers really are faster than Odomendi and Bertogan for sure. And then Verissimo with the the fatigue that he's been handling, it's a simple situation. So I do think you put one away, meaning that we have to get that you know that second goal. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it, it ends up being a two-one Benfica victory. Uh, I do think that you know PZ. One way or another, the guy frustrates me like hell, but I think he does put one in, beat a penalty or not, and then I think Darwin finally gets his his uh, his you know his form back and, and puts one in as well. Now for Benfica, will they have the best game? I'm not sure, um, but I do think we'll definitely see a lot more offensive, um, a lot more offensive moves from them. I I just can't see JJ sitting back in a match like this. Be it in the first or the second half, he might, you know, make halftime adjustments. But I think Rafa Silva uh, being on from the get-go will really change things if that's what he decides to do. Yeah, brilliant, Souls. What are you thinking? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on the line. Come on, and I think, yeah, and I think uh, it's it's gonna be one of those things where I think that performance against City and the performance against Benfica, I hope it's lit an absolute fire in his belly. To say, you know what, enough's enough. Um, I might have been bad, but now I'm going to give the fans what they wanted. Why he signed that contract. Why we put this trust in him. And I think this is going to be the game where, even I think in the back of his head, he's knowing as well that, because he came out immediately and apologised, you know, after the games as well for his performance. And I think 
he's realizing that you know there's a lot riding on this in terms of our future as Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. And I know, and I know, um, I've said that we still need to back Arteta, but a lot does ride on Arsenal's future and who we can bring in. Having no Euro European football, Europa League is the bare minimum you need to get top level players. And um, we yeah. managed to get party because we still managed to get Euro European football. But having none of that, it makes the job a billion times harder. You need mm -hmm. to, and it and it makes a project a lot um, harder to believe in, even for a player, because they're going to be like, especially with people that were linked to like an Awa, for example, who are going to be guaranteed European clubs um, coming in for them. So, and I think um, Arteta knows how important it is. And I know, I think the club know how important it is. And I think what, what Arteta, the one thing I know about Arteta looking at the, um, the documentary and um, all or nothing on City, he's going to get those players riled up because he's been with some, some of the most inspirational leaders in terms of company. Even when you look at Pep, when he loses it, um, when you look at Fernandinho, when you look at, um, you know some of these captains that he's he's been in and amongst the the locker rooms with, and um, he's been managed under because he's a Spanish national. Even the Spanish team have some of the most brilliant, inspirational leaders who know how to switch a flip, flip in your head from being like, yes, we might have been disappointing, but we can go in and do something. And that's 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 why I have the belief because he's been in those situations in his career, and that's why I think. You know, we will come out and we will come out and we will be pumped. If not, just hire me for that one day. I'll get these players riled up. I will get these players to play the, you know, like, like it's life or death for them. And I think it's going to be, a, and I think I'm going to echo what Joe said. It's going to be a 2-1 either way, I think, um, mm -hmm. whether it's because I don't think, I don't see either one of us not scoring, even though I think um, we've probably got more of, we can, we can say more likely we're going to score because we've done it in open play. And that's not disrespecting penalties, but, um, other than that penalty, you could possibly say we kept him out. And um, but on the flip side, this is this is make or break for both teams. And this is going to be a because yes, I'm taking it a game at a time. So and I'm saying this is one of the most important games in our entire season. This is a defining moment. Whether we're going to be champions mentalities or whether we're going to have mentality of losers, or because. We've got to fight like our lives depend on it. And I know it sounds shocking to say around the 32 game is this important for a Benfica and Arsenal. If you asked me five years ago, I'd be laughing at you. But that's the reality because they are two big teams who are not in the competition they should be in. And that's the reality of the situation. And yeah, I, I, I'm obviously going to say Arsenal, but if Benfica go through, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, we, we lost to a shit side or something and we didn't, we didn't expect that to happen. But... Look, I'm going to back the boys and I'm going to believe in them. And I think Aubameyang's going to really put his stamp on this team and he's going to really come in. And I hope he does because otherwise, you know, it's, I'm just going to be so down about it. But I think I think this game's got everything written about it being a 2-1. 2-1, yeah. Um, look, I hope you're right. Um, I, I, and I hope... Oh, Anthony, yeah. just go in the bathroom a few times for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to one. <laughs> I'll be doing a live podcast from the bathroom, yeah, for the next one. Um, yeah, look, do you know, I, I'll be honest, uh, Souls, I know you're backing Aubameyang and I know you, you want to go back to the business. I would like to see Aubameyang actually sit this one out. I'd like to see Lacazette play off top and I'd like somebody else just, I just don't know if mentally he's ready for this. You know, he hasn't been there all season. And this is an important game, and I just don't know. Aubameyang, yeah, he shows up, you know, like the FA Cup final and that, but but that was 
that was a different Aubameyang last season to oh, yeah, this yeah. season, you know. I just don't know if we can depend on him to show up in a game right now at this very moment where we need something from him. I, I would like to see Lacazette. Definitely up, up top anyway, I'd like to see Lacazette. Uh, but look, that's... Generally, Arteta doesn't like to do what I would like him to do, so I'm fully expecting Aubameyang to play some part. Um, yeah, look, I think this game, it, it definitely is going to be about who shows up on the day. Um, Arsenal are notoriously slow starters. Um, if we can come out of the blocks like we did against Leeds, there's absolutely no reason why we can't score a couple of goals. The problem is we tend not to get those kind of performances very, very often. And I think, again, Leeds are just completely gung-ho. You know what way they're going to set up. It's all out of attack. So I don't think Benfica are going to do that. You know, they're going to be a bit more balanced. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder to break them down. But I will, I, I am going to back Arsenal. I am. Um, I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say 2-0 Arsenal. I, I'm... Yeah, putting it out there, uh, as you said, Souls, the, the goal came and from a, a penalty for Benfica, and that's not to say Benfica weren't dangerous. I just think, you know, if we come out with the right attitude with our heads screwed on, I think we have enough about us that we can get out of the game. We missed a lot of opportunities against Benfica in the first leg, but I'm at least encouraged by the fact that we did create opportunities. You know, Aubameyang had an absolute nightmare but at least we provided him enough opportunities to have a nightmare, if that makes any sense. You know, it, I'd be more concerned. Yeah, he missed, you know, three or so very, very good opportunities, but I'd be more concerned if we at least weren't able to create the chances for him to miss. So, you know, if we put someone else in there, maybe Lacazette can, you know, give him the same opportunities, maybe, maybe he might put them away. But look, um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to the game. Um, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing because I was very much looking forward to the last game as well, and didn't quite live up to the the hype and expectation. But it's hard not to, especially you know when you sit here with a panel and and uh, you talk about it and you hear all sides, all views. It, it's hard not to get excited. It definitely adds to it. But look. Um, Look, either way, Joe, like you, you've been absolutely brilliant. Um, it's it's been great having you on, getting getting your uh, your point of view, and and this is why I I love having you know the the rival fans, the fans of the opposition, because it's a whole different insight, whole different perspective, and it's been really interesting, you know, finding out how similar Arsenal and Benfica actually are. You know, we, as well as we we look at Arsenal because obviously you know we're. We're involved in, in the Arsenal world and, and obviously we're dissecting every single thing Arsenal do. And at times you do think, even if it's something like VAR, like, okay, VAR is only against Arsenal, referees only against Arsenal. You know, these problems only happen to Arsenal. This is why it's so important to speak to fans from other clubs because we all think that about our club. We think we're the only team that suffers this. We're the only team feeling this and going through these problems. It, it's just not true. You know, it's just, yeah, we're more aware because... We, we follow our clubs more closely, so we feel like it's it's us and us only. But, uh, yeah, Joe, look, again, it was absolutely brilliant having you here. So let the people know where they can they can look out for your content. And I strongly encourage Arsenal fans, definitely read Joe's review of the first game. 
keep up to date as well like look at look at the content Joel's putting out there and give you a complete understanding and perspective from a Benfica side which is important for Arsenal fans going into this so Joe where can we find you yeah so I, I have my my Twitter uh username right here at Benfica um you can also find me at Americano. it's the same as my uh same spelling as as that's in the chat and then also um as Anthony said I put out a a review after every match. Um, so you can check out the first leg uh, match, which is also one of my pinned tweets. Um, and I'll have a review of, of tomorrow's match Friday morning um, posted as well. So feel free to check that out. I, I like to give myself, you know, a couple hours to cool down after the match, no gut reactions. Um, but if you take a look at the, the Fadens, uh summary as well, you'll get a good idea of what you're up against. Um, and you'll understand why Anthony's 2-0 prediction isn't that crazy. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, look, I do have a link in the description down below this video. I do have details for both of the guys, so where you can check them out. But Sulz, go on, give, give yourself a shout out there. Your analysis today, man. Uh, my, my laptop, there was smoke coming out of it at one, at one point there with the, the flames you were spitting. <laughs> ah, thank you, yeah. Um, as Anthony just said, yeah, I like to look at games more in depth and I kind of try to obviously take the emotion side out of it. That's why you'll always see a match review probably the next day rather than uh, even a couple of hours after. That's when I'm doing my prep a couple of hours after, uh, just so I can get the emotions and I can I can because if I did that city review straight away, I don't think anyone everyone be like where did this source come from, and uh, that's 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 why I don't. Um, do them straight away, but where you can find me is Guna Souls and Leicester Bay Football, and probably one of the more, what I've been told anyway, I'm a positive Guna, and I'm always trying to spread positivity across them, all platforms, and I'm trying to just give people hope that, yeah, look, it's not all doom and gloom. This is the storm before the calm, not the calm before the storm, because the things can only look up, and we are going to get back to where we need to be, given time and given the backing, and um We've, I've got so many podcasts lined up and obviously I am going to try and get Anthony on um, for a show that I've got coming up. But it's just because of uni and stuff, things are a little bit slow. Um, but hopefully I am going to speak to him about some of the future developments I've got on the channel coming up. So, yeah, I hope hope you guys go and subscribe and there's a lot coming and a lot to look forward to. Yeah, 100%. And like I said, there is a, a link to both of the guys down below in the description. So definitely, definitely do check out the content for, for both lads. Uh, the lads have been absolutely brilliant. Really, really do appreciate the time, as always, and the support. And from everybody in the chats, everybody with the comments, thanks so much. Everyone who continues to subscribe, like the video. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, we look forward to the game. And hey, look, this could be <laughs> excuse to we, we bring the boys back on to, to talk about what we saw, because... You know, you know how I like to I like to bring people back in. So yeah, look, enjoy the game, everyone. Thanks so much for watching. And uh come on you gunners. <laughs>